0: A lot of these spells use Cinnabar. Hasn't hasn't that stuff been banned for years? Yeah, it causes severe neurodegeneration, which is probably what's happening with Sonia. She's been hitting the Cinnabar pretty hard for decades, I imagine.
1: So she has clockwork Alzheimer's?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, but so much worse. Your brain gets unstuck in time. You don't know where you are or when you are, and you can't control it. It is good, good times, and... Then you die.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but it seemed like they had a, a, a treatment. I mean, the, the, those 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 weird watches she had on?
0: Hmm. Yeah, until they got messed up by us.
1: <sighs> Must be what started all this. I mean, back in Timeline 40, it's why Stoppard hunting us down. He's trying to save his mom. Oh,
0: now I almost feel bad for him.
1: No, feel bad for us. Even if we get back to Timeline 40, Stoppard's going to do anything he can to kick us out.
0: Unless we kill him.
1: Trying to save his mom?
0: Moms die every day. Circle of life.
1: Wow. No. (laughs) We help him save her. (laughs) (laughs) Just watching how much you're cracking up now, I Casey, I have like no idea how it is that you get through a scene, but
0: (laughs) it's that one was so much fun.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> welcome, everyone, to episode 406 of Physical Kids Weekly, a timeline and a place. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And today we're thrilled to have two fantastic guests on our show. Our first guest has been here before. She's a talented comic book artist, and she's also the writer behind last season's Red Dinner Party episode, and she wrote this one. Christina Strain, welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. Thanks for having me back.
2: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. And our second guest is new to the podcast, but she's one we think you'll be all like, be excited to hear from. She's appeared on several of the hottest shows on television, including Arrow, Wayward <laughs> Pines, and Hannibal. On The Magician, she plays everyone's favorite sociopath head bitch in charge. Marina, Casey Roll, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Oh my god, thanks for having me, you guys. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> I have to say, too, like, just just looking at this, there's there's a lot of great female energy here right now and um, mm-hmm. a lot of great female there- hair. Those of you who are listening to this can't see, but the hair game here is top-notch today. <laughs> I'm I, I just have my hair in a bun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's god. a hot bun. Uh, Casey, since this is your first time on the podcast, we asked our listeners to submit a few questions for you. and We got... We got a lot. We got, like, way more than we could possibly ask you in 20 minutes. Um, but by far the most <laughs> common theme in the questions we got concerned Marina's moral status. So we wanted uh, to start by asking <laughs> how you see Marina. Is she a villain or just a boss bitch that society judges way too harshly?
0: Oh, guys, she's a boss-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of her. I mean, <laughs> she's questionable, but I just love her. She's just... She knows what she wants. Who doesn't <laughs> respect that?
1: And what does she want?
0: Uh, oh my god. Power, babes and booze, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: things, all all the usual things. <laughs> yeah. <you know?
2: laughs> we also got a lot of questions about Marina's past and especially the events that led to her expulsion at Break Bills. Mm. What can you tell us about her backstory? Was she always as hardened as she is now? Or was there something that made her that way? If you're allowed to talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's any sort of a um, super duper official backstory to in terms of her time at Breakbills. Christina, you can jump in on
3: that if you know of anything. Um, I'm trying to think. The, I mean, the big thing, I, I don't think we ever went super into her backstory just because it wasn't a story that we were doing at the time. Mm. So in the future, who knows? But <laughs> the, I mean, the big thing with Marina is that, you know, she knows what she wants and she, she does what she's got to do to get it. And I mean, she definitely doesn't see herself as a villain. She just does what she's got to do.
0: Mm. hundred <laughs>
1: percent. So related to that, we, we've had a, we had a debate on our last episode of the podcast. Is it the last mm. one? I think so. Over whether she's, True neutral, or did you say chaotic evil? Uh yeah, I think I said chaotic evil. <laughs> do you know d and d alignments, Casey? I sure do. <laughs> All right. so what's your what, what's your d and d alignment from Rena? I kind of
0: don't want to call her neutral cause she's just so full on.
3: <laughs> you know? yeah, like I'm torn because it's not like it's kind of in between,
1: so chaotic like she's neutral.
3: Self- servicing in a way that's like if it's helpful to anybody great if it's not whatever exactly. um I mean she's just chaotic yeah I don't <laughs> think she's to, like
0: actively destroy people with her actions I think she's just like taking care of her shit yeah and like you said if it benefits people whatever fine <laughs> I think I that's the thing. Them, like, so whatever, fine.
3: Yeah, like I think that's the thing. If your interests align with her interests, she's chaotic good, and if they don't, then maybe she's chaotic evil. But like in general, it's just more along the lines of she do what she got to do. <laughs>
0: yeah. She rides the middle. Maybe that is neutral. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Chaotic neutral. All right, I bl- I buy that. <laughs> no,
0: dub dub dub. I started saying that ironically, and now I can't stop saying it.
2: Oh my god! I hate hate that.
1: that
0: Oh, I have stuff
2: like that that I've just like started saying ironically, and I just can't stop saying.
1: I feel like that's that's how all like internet fandom language gets started. People are saying something (laughs) ironically, and then you get an enthusiastic people, a group of people together who start saying it, and it just it just becomes language. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's what this uh, nearly phd in linguistics says anyway <laughs> uh, so we, we talked a lot on this podcast too about how much space the magicians makes for female characters who are complicated and even flawed and how fans sometimes struggle to accept that and reject those characters the second they do anything that isn't purely selfless and good and yet people love the shit out of marina <laughs> Why do you think that is?
0: <laughs> I mean, I can. I guess I can only speak to why I love her, which is that having her in my life has made me recognize w- when it's a good call to put my own needs first, which is something I was historically very bad at, and I think a lot of women are taught not to do, so having her do that constantly is a nice reminder for me. So maybe that rings the bells of other people. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, she's I, I, she's one of my favorite characters to write because it's just like take the filter off and just say whatever she she wants. You know, like there's <laughs> no filter there. I think there's a few things going on in terms of why people like Marina. I think for one, Casey's performances are amazing. Yeah, she's, wow. just, she's just like being on set, watching her go is always entertaining. Um, and then I think the other thing is there's, I I hate, I hate this, but I think that like a lot of times when you give a quote unquote difficult woman, funny lines, like if they are funny, it softens people's, um, perceptions of them because people just don't want to like women, (laughs) but if they're funny, you know, there's that. It's true. yeah, Yeah. I mean, she's, Definitely a difficult character, and I personally love the hell out
1: of her for that reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. She's very, very dear to me, for sure.
1: Tell us a little more about that. Like, tell us what what your relationship is with Marina.
0: Oh, man. Um, Codependent? No, I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's definitely somebody I, like, channel in my day-to-day life if I have to deal with, like government officials or the bank or what have you. Um, (laughs) No, she's, uh, I always like to say that she came into my life at a time when I really needed to um, find my voice. Hmm. I think I was looking for it for a really long time and I felt really alienated from myself for quite a while. And she came up and sort of forced me to access that really self-assured woman who owned her opinions and, um, did what she needed to do for herself to take care of herself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say beyond that, just that she's, she's super important to me and I just feel
3: really grateful that I got to play such a, a kick-ass broad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that's incredible about Marina. She's one of the few characters that I can think of that is just so base value. Like, you know, there's nothing about her that you're like, you don't know what you're going to get. You know what you're dealing with. She doesn't have a filter. Yeah. She's like the snake in the grass that you know is a snake and is in the grass. So it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, And I don't think there are a ton of female characters written like that because I don't think that traditionally women are allowed to be that open about our intentions and our wants. And like, we're just trained to filter ourselves in a way that Going back to Casey's point, you know, like, you're not allowed to be Marina. Mm -hmm. You're just told not to be that person. And so there's something really refreshing about her. Because if if she were a man, like, there are a ton of guys, like, male characters like that. Because that's Mm -hmm. just, those guys exist. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's important to note, too, if I can just jump in, that, like, the way that Marina's written is so special to me. Because it's not that she gets one strong female characteristic to play like it's not just that she's like kind of brash but she owns every single facet of her person you know like everything from her op- opinions through to her sexuality like she's mm-hmm. just in herself completely
3: yeah like uh-huh. she's the most honest character in that mm-hmm. way where it's just across like across the board this is who i am
1: Uh, you deal with it. Yeah, it's not (laughs) like she's an asshole who isn't self-aware about being an asshole. She's an asshole who totally knows who she is and owns it.
3: Yes. Yeah, 100%. Which is so refreshing, because, like, I I just don't... You don't get a lot of that with female characters.
2: No. Mm Mm-hmm. So as we know, you actually get to play two kick-ass broads on The Magicians. What do you see as the main differences between Marina 23 and Marina 40? I personally don't see any because she's like Mm. the same. She's probably the same (laughs) in every timeline.
0: Her core runs true. (laughs) I I think, you know, the circumstances she finds herself in are quite different. I think in, um, in the original timeline, she was surrounded by all her fellow hedges and she kind of had a gang of people to back her up. And in this new timeline, she's, you know, she has Todd, uh, not Todd. Um, she has Josh. <laughs> uh,
1: I would love to see and Todd together.
0: <laughs> oh, we've had some discussions, Trev and I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think in 23, her world kind of exploded in a way that it didn't in the other timeline. So she is forced to kind of operate on her own, um, mm-hmm. more or less, um, and doesn't have the sort of luxury of a gang to back her up, which I think makes her even more independent and more self-assured and more ready t- to like take shit on herself, not send a, you know, lovely henchman out to do the job mm. and she's got different hair, you know, it's whole thing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, so, our last question is that we've gathered from social media that you're a big astrology nerd. So am mm-hmm. I. Um, <laughs> so, what's your sign, and why do you think it fits or doesn't, and what do you think Marina's,
0: like, signs
2: are, like, her rising and moon and Ooh. sun?
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I personally am Leo sun, Cancer moon, cap rising, um, which... Uh, before I like dug into it and um, the only thing I knew was that I was a Leo, I was always very confused by that because like, I, I am an actor, but I'm quite introverted and, um, not very loud a a lot of the time. Um, so I was like, what's, (laughs) what's going on? And then I discovered my moon and everything began to make sense. And also the like kind of conflict between the two things. I was like, Oh, that's why I am the way I am. And then, Capricorn rising was just makes sense like I'm very good in a crisis. So I was like, hello Capricorn. <laughs> there. <you come. laughs> yeah. And in terms of Marina's chart, um I'd say she's fiery. Yeah, she leads with a fire. But you know, oh, she might be a Gemini. <laughs> oh.
2: I, I was I can thinking Gemini or like or Scorpio because she's so sexual. So yes. Cool.
0: yes. Those are <laughs> Yep, you've hit the nail on the head there. I'm not sure where they would sit in terms of, you know, what would be her rising or her sun or whatever, but
3: I think those two are definitely present.
1: (laughs) Christina, are you an astrology person?
3: I'm not to that extent. (laughs) But because I grew up in Asia, the Chinese horoscope was a little more something Mm. I paid attention to when I was a kid. Mm. But even then, like, my mom was, like, allergic to the idea of fortune determining your fate. So I'm a little, like, I'm like, I'm a Taurus, and I'm also a rooster. They're kind of the same. So, hey, I guess I'm just stubborn and, you know, like, stubborn and at the same time grounded.
2: When I was younger, I didn't realize that the Chinese New Year, like, didn't happen until February. So my whole life I thought it was, like, a sheep or is it goat um and then I found out that I was actually a horse like yeah it's like Amazing. this is so weird <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where it'll get you because
3: the cusp is totally different like it's not it's not the same where it's like what part of the month do you fall and it's more like are you born in January or February and then you also have to track back to the year you were born because mm-hmm. the, the lunar new year falls on a different day every year so it yeah. gets very tricky like my sister was born in she was like a January January twentieth is her birthday. And for years it was like, oh, I'm a boar. But it was like, Nope, that year, Chinese New Year's happened after. So you're actually a dog. So
0: <laughs> I'm questioning everything right now and I'm Googling it
3: just to be sure I know what I am. <laughs> it's you could think of it's, one thing and be totally
2: wrong. It's mostly January babies. that get it wrong.
3: <laughs> Early February too, because Lunar yeah. New Year, it depends on like what every year's different.
1: <laughs> yeah. I am a Virgo, and for years and years and years, I thought that was, like, such a weird thing because in high school, I feel like I'm not a very organized person in a lot of ways, or at least I felt like that in high school, and Danny's like, giving the crazy eyes at me (laughs) because she's like, (laughs) what happened was I left high school, I became an adult and realized that I'm hyperactively organized, and even if my space is not always the cleanest, I have, like, a spreadsheet going on in my brain at all times. (laughs) I feel that deeply. (laughs) It's a very important thing. It's a very important thing to, like, survive adult life, have the spreadsheet going.
0: I just like to keep a Virgo close by. One of my best friends, Katie, is a Virgo, and so I consult her. (laughs) I bring her in when I need some Virgo.
2: My, like, my chart is just, like, a big fucking mess. I'm, like, a Capricorn sun. Which to me, for a long time, just didn't make any sense. And then when I got into birth charts, it all made a little bit more sense. So Mm. I'm an Aquarius rising and a Sagittarian moon. And I'm just like, bro. (laughs) That's
0: incredible.
2: (laughs) So basically, essentially, I'm a paradox to
0: most people. (laughs) That's fun. You're like a puzzle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I do have to say, I think uh, your Instagram is definitely very Leo, Casey. Mine? Yeah.
0: Well, I won't deny it. Listen, (laughs) I big my work in the last couple of years, now that I've gotten into astrology is like owning and letting myself be all the Leo that I am. (laughs) So that is definitely very reflected in my social media.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, this seems like a good time to move on to the episode. So, um, Christine, I don't know if I was I don't, I don't think we talked about an episode last time, so you haven't seen those. I've been doing recaps, um, so I'm going to do that now. Marina and Penny23 find themselves stuck in an unfriendly timeline after a teenage horomancer tries to send them back to their own. As they try to find their way back to Timeline 40, Julia and Quentin start cooking up a way to help Elliot by helping the monster. That makes it sound like they're in the same place. They're not. Meanwhile, Alice moves to Modesto, where she finds someone who helps her heal relationship with magic. And back in Fillory, Margot and Josh butt heads as Margot tackles a tricky diplomatic situation with help from Fen, Tick, and Rafe. So, Danny, what'd you think?
2: It was a great episode. I loved it. I love... I love the vibe between like marina and penny mm-hmm. <laughs> but i just have to ask why modesto <laughs> because like i have family from modesto <laughs> why
3: <laughs> i think you kind of
1: answered your own I mean, question you want me to but... <laughs>
3: answer yeah okay so here's the yeah. thing i am the writer who picked modesto it wasn't a collective decision it was my (laughs) choice (laughs) here's why uh when i was googling because i knew we were doing you know the whole water thing when i was googling i was like where in california is the water actually shitty um and it it turns out modesto has has legitimately bad lead-filled pipes so some Mm. of that comes straight up from me googling like now i don't know and here's the other thing like growing up in Korea, we were taught not to drink the tap water because the water filtration back in the eighties was just not where it needed to be. So we, we drank a lot of bottled water. Um, so like I just straight up was just like, okay, I'm going full bore, like curious where, where, where should I look at? And then the other thing that made me, cause it was like Modesto or Fresno, but Modesto <laughs> has a sign when you enter Modesto where the sign is like, what is it? Uh, It was like water, wealth, health, and something. And I was just like, "Oh, Oh. that sign just did it." The sheer fact that the word "water" is in their "Welcome to Modesto" sign. I was just like, "Oh, done."
2: I loved the added touch of the like the Jesus candles with all the actors that are from Modesto. (laughs) That was I just I wanted something weird.
3: These are the things that I think about when I'm on script, where I'm just like, I don't want it to just be candles. What kind of weird candles can I make?
1: (laughs) What's the weirdest candle in that bunch? And are they actually actors who are from Modesto?
3: Yeah. James Marston. James Marston
2: is the weirdest.
3: That's my favorite one. The the sheer fact that James Marston was from Modesto. I was like, well, this is happening.
2: I had no idea that he wasn't British.
3: I know. (laughs) It's bonkers. <laughs> I also was very like I need I need Buffy era James
1: Marsden <laughs> like, in the I subway specifically Yeah. Oh, well, this is going to be... All the people who complain about how much we laugh on our reviews are are not going to like this episode, and fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the things that struck me about this episode is how well-integrated all the different storylines are. Um, And that's been true of all the ensemble episodes this season, but I think it was really striking in this episode because there is that dominant thread with Penny and Marina, and yet none of the other arcs feel like they get short shrift. There's a lot of emotional depth in them, and Alice's, I think, especially, but I don't know, in all of them. When you're writing an episode like that that has so many different plot lines and arcs to work through, how do you get pacing and waiting right?
3: Um, so this episode in particular was a little a little different from the other episodes that I've written for the show. Um, they feel connected, but they're not. All four storylines in this episode kind of either reference each other or seem to emotionally, like, Uh, mirror each other but they're actually their own individual storylines that don't really like the characters don't cross uh, um, threads so for this one in particular it was really interesting like the whole reason it's called the timeline in place was that uh, we realized that this episode like collectively in the room when we talk about each episode there's always a sort of like what's the theme what's this episode about question and for this one in particular it was just like where do you belong you know what, Mm -hmm. what do you have to do to stay where you are and what's your relationship to like where you are, who you are, and, like, where you want to be. So I think just because, like, I understood that the episode was about, you know, belonging, that was easy to kind of, like, all I had to make sure I did was do that arc correctly. And then when I actually wrote the episodes, I've never done this before. For this episode in particular, I wrote them I wrote each storyline individually. Like when I was Mm. writing the script, I was like, today I'm going to write all the Penny Marina scenes. Today I'm going to write all of the Alice scenes. So that I never had any other story interrupting the emotion um, of the individual storylines. So it was really nice because I was able to stay inside those characters as they were going through this experience um, that is similar. But at the same time, I was like, if I have the luxury of writing an episode where they don't like, interweave in a way like I might as well just live in that storyline fully and just like write the best version of it and then you know rewrite rewrite rewrite
1: I love that because I think it's in some ways it's the opposite of what I might expect right I might expect that when you're that you'd have to be really calculated and pacing an episode with so many different moving parts but that like be in the moment mentality Fucking awesome. <laughs> Love that. It's,
3: yeah, it was cool. Like, it was a weird experiment, too, because I was like, I don't have, there aren't going to be many opportunities where I get to do something like this, where it's just like, I'm just going to exist in this storyline. And it was crazy, because, like, I saved the Penny Marino one for last, <laughs> just because I was like, I was like, okay, I know what that one is. I totally know what that one is. It was, it was just like, it's just, it's also going to be really fun, because they are so like, <laughs> Um. so I was like, this is my treat, because- there's an emotional aspect to it like every other story, but there was also just the the fun of the two people who speak their mind and are at odds with each other get to have a lot of like back and forth.
1: And I have to say, really like fun. one of the things that struck me in the Penny Marina scenes, especially when I was when I was trying to figure out what clip to get, I was I looked at a couple different scenes and I looked at the one when they come out into whatever timeline it is that they're in. Briefly, the Crucible timeline, Mm -hmm. we'll just call it (laughs) for this episode. And as I was watching it the second time, I was like, oh, this really reminds me of like Aaron Sorkin dialogue or like that really. (laughs) It was like that because they're doing the walk and talk and they're really snappy. And one of the things I noticed, the reason I couldn't clip that one is because they're cutting each other off. They're overlapping each other. So I couldn't like get a clean break. At one of those points, but it just sort of reinforced for me how fun and fast paced all that was.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the things that's just such a gift about those two characters in particular. Like, you know, Penny 23 is a lot a lot less likely to go full on penny than Penny 40 was. But mm-hmm. when, you know, when he has a downward force on him, he's not gonna just take it sitting down. And Marina's <laughs> just like, I'm gonna get what I want. Mm-hmm. I I'm like. It, the joy of writing Marina and Margot is just like, I'm just going to write what I'm thinking in this moment as I write this script.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful.
0: <laughs> this
2: is channel the pure every moment of, of rage.
0: <laughs> it does feel very pure. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: good. All right. So, one of the first things I want to point out, because we had so many listeners writing in about it is that it's revealed in this episode that Marina has a girlfriend.
3: Casey did, you, <laughs>
2: Casey, did you always have the sense that Marina was into women? And Christina, what made you decide to reveal Marina's, this aspect of Marina now? Casey, you first.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> hundred times yes. Um, yeah, even before we, you know, solidified anything, she's always been queer to me. That's mm-hmm. been constant. And I was so, so happy to have it like canon. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there it is. She's got a girlfriend. This is dope. I <laughs> loved it. I was <laughs> so excited. Now I can't wait to meet her. <laughs>
1: Lesbian, bi, <laughs> pan, what do you think? Where does she fall on the spectrum? Um,
0: For me, she's always been, you know, under the umbrella of bi, pan. I don't I think she really has a a direction that she leans. But I, as is revealed this season as well, I, I well, I don't know if I... No, she's pan. She's pan. <laughs> yeah, and in terms of like a poly or anything like that, I'm not actually sure. I just know that she is emotionally committed to one person at this time. Cool. So I don't know. I
3: think.
0: Good question.
3: <laughs> Good question. So, so the thing... <laughs> you guys have no idea how committed into, like, this Marina girlfriend storyline I was in the room. <laughs> the thing is, Henry in season... I, dude, I just... Oh, that's the one thing I'm, like, sad about with this episode where it's like, I didn't get to write the girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but um, in season three, Henry, you know, in the in the timeline episode, like, Henry made it canon that she's basically pan. Like, I, mm-hmm. we have not said pan in the room or anything, but this is just my, my head canon where in my headspace, I was just like, well, she's she's Pan. I think she leans a little more towards ladies, yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> but, <laughs> that being said, the thing for me was in, you know, season one and two, she had a she had a cat that she cared about in season two, where she, she clearly has the capacity to care very mm-hmm. deeply about other living creatures. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're talking about what does Marina 23 look like versus Marina 40. And, I was just like, she doesn't have a cat, but she has a girlfriend she really cares about and she really wants to get back to her. And it was great because like, as we were talking about it in the room, we were like, that is so freaking Marina. The idea that, <laughs> you know, like Penny is struggling with the idea of not putting like his vision of Julia on Julia. And he's just like, I can't, I can't look at her that way. And Marina's just like, you know, I fucked it up the first time with this girl that I really dug. So I'm just not going to do that again. And I'm just going to make it work because it's like, it's a little bit of a sociopathic thing to do. Just to just be like, I'm not going to tell her that we tried this once. And I know she doesn't like it when I fuck around, but, <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like, it's so Marina. And it's almost like, It's weirdly for Marina, slightly, like, soft and endearing, because, again, it goes back to the idea that she is a self-servicing person, but at the same time, there are, like, it's not like she has the, like, we can say she's a psychopath and a sociopath, but she does care about specific, like, creatures, you know?
1: Well, and it's not like she's doing the same things and just hiding them better, right? Like, it's pretty clear from that scene that she's used this to be like, okay, I can't do that. So she does care about what the other person's boundaries are.
3: Exactly. And that's what makes it so good for her in particular, where it's, she's just like, listen, for her, from her perspective, it's hella romantic. She's <laughs> just like, I'm changing the way I act for this person <laughs> because, like, I recognize now that they meant so much to me and they weren't putting up with my shit. So I'm just not going to give them shit. <laughs> but at the same time, from an outside perspective, it's also like, so you are playing them (laughs) but you know for her I love it I freaking love it because I do think that like it's not like from her perspective it's fake you know she genuinely loves her girlfriend she cares about this woman so again the only thing I'm like sad about is I'm like I didn't get to write the girlfriend
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I have to say too in previous timelines like um, if I may um, it's just that I always felt like her sexuality in The original timeline was very much like part of her toolkit, Mm -hmm. sort of something that she would use, uh, you know, play that card to get what she needed. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, she was probably fucking a lot of people to get what she needed. I mean, that's how she lost
3: her girlfriend. (laughs) this time around she's like I'm not gonna lose my girlfriend
0: exactly I can't sit down and have that conversation again I'm like listen I really need to get this done so I had to you know do the thing she's not doing it and also I think much like she had a group of people surrounding her to like help her do her business and I think that was a bit of a wall in a way and now in this Mm -hmm. other timeline she's
3: standing on her own two feet and uh, no, I think you're a thousand percent. Cool. Like, if you want to ask what the difference between Marina twenty three and Marina forty is, this just, like yeah. they're both like they both know what they want this time around. That the difference is what she wants is different from what Marina forty wanted. You know, wanted like mm-hmm. her basically guiding, guiding principle, like thing that she needs to hold on to is just it's that's the difference.
2: Do we know Marina's girlfriend? Have you gotten that far yet? What's she like? <laughs>
0: I mean,
3: <laughs> listen, <laughs> I wish I had written her.
0: <laughs> let's just say but. it's Margot. Like, let's just say that, Noah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, will say this. Like, I don't I don't think that's going to be a... I know. It can't we be. All, it's, it's, it's not not a priority, if that makes sense.
1: <laughs> it was it like, is for us. Mm-hmm. We need some female-female representation. <laughs> yes. Well,
3: yes.
0: Ready and waiting, you guys.
3: Here we go. <laughs> also... Personally, like again, none of this is canon. But personally, I was just like, I just want to see Marina with somebody that you would just not necessarily expect, but it works. Marina like, and Finn. Not no. even Marina and no. Finn. Just like yeah, you know, Josh and Margo are just that odd couple where it's just like <laughs> interesting. Didn't? Mm, I wanted that for Marina, where it's just like, oh, 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 this is who she's into.
0: <laughs> but then again, I wonder like what would be expected. Like who would yeah. you expect Marina to couple up with?
1: I mean, I know what the fandom thinks about that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I I think there's, like, I love Margot Marina as an idea, but I know that there's way too much sass in that relationship for it to work. Just Oh, just
1: my God. They would sass. kill each other in, like, two seconds.
0: Short-term only. Short-term only.
3: Totally. <laughs> and that's part of the reason that it's just, like, if, if her girlfriend is polar opposite, there's something, there's something there where it's just, like, ooh, you guys compliment each other in a way that's unexpected and fun. Mm-hmm.
1: I kind of like the idea of Marina having a girlfriend who is, like, submissive on the outside, but they totally switch when they're behind closed doors. I like Hell the yeah. idea of of Marina feeling the need to be dominated from time to time.
3: I mean, to be fair, she loves her girlfriend, so there's definitely an element of her girlfriend has control over something. See? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Hello. Like, has
3: just be dominant in some way, shape, or form in order for Marina to be like, "I got to go back for more." Guys, hello. <laughs> I need a breath.
2: <laughs> all right. We welcome. We welcome any and all fan fiction. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I'll admit it. I read it. Let's do it. <laughs> do you have a
1: favorite? Do you have a favorite fic that you've read?
0: Um. Not, for, uh, I haven't actually read a lot of magicians' fic, but there was some pretty intense Hannibal fanfic back in the day. Mm.
3: That was truly <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine what that fic read like.
0: He like. and Will. I'll just say that, and then going to work with you in the morning and after reading it, and being like, "Well, I read some stuff about us." <laughs> oh <boy. laughs>
1: <laughs> it's I'm like a sex stream, but you chose it.
0: It's listen, <laughs> I whew, yeah.
1: I think, it think I just broke
0: <laughs> <laughs> You ruined me. I need
1: a break. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, good, good. <laughs> Casey, you've worked a lot with Argent since the Timeline 23 episode from last season. Penny 23 and Marina 23 clearly have some history, but we as viewers don't really know a lot about that relationship. What is their deal, and why, given that Penny 23 seems to trust Marina 23 about as far as he can throw her, were they working together at all when we first met them last year? Hmm. I
0: mean, as much as you work together with the people who are around you when everything around you explodes, like... I think she probably used him for a couple of things to, you know, get her some rations or something. And that quickly <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> I in there I, just, I
3: I think you're right. Like I think if you've seen the way Marina is with people, you can kind of understand their relationship. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't think he was yeah. in her circle, let's say
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Penny rarely is.
1: <laughs> no he doesn't want to be in anyone's inner circle no except for he
0: is his own circle
1: julia as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit wait <laughs> what have i done <laughs> <laughs> all right
2: <laughs> so christina tell us about the scenes with the two pennies how long have you known that you wanted them in a room together and how did you approach actually writing that scene
3: Oh my god! I, I'm trying to think about how much I can talk about. Um, <laughs> so here's the, the thing that's interesting about that scene. Like so much of the show, it was a collective room effort. I can't remember where the initial idea came from, but there were iterations of that scene that involved more than two of them. Um, more than that two would pennies. Been cool. There might have been versions written, um, but like <laughs> ultimately, the the thing that was crazy about that scene was it was just like. You have one Penny that knows things and is slightly different and you can't actually say what his goal is and then you have one Penny who's just like, uh, I don't even know how to talk to you because I'm living your life. It was a very interesting thing to write because their voices are similar but different.
1: Yeah. And it,
3: like I really enjoy writing Penny partially because he just says, he is, uh, he's is. got a little bit of the voice of the audience thing going on where it's like, I'm just going to call it the crazy shit. um so getting to write that character is a lot of fun because he'll just call out crazy shit and in a situation where he's like talking to himself it's like two people constantly calling out the crazy shit so it was a lot of fun to write but it was also really difficult to write in the sense that it was like you got to make them slightly different enough that it's on the page even performance like removed that it's different and then at the same time keep it like it was it was a it was a challenging thing, but it was a lot of fun because like who doesn't want to see Penny come face to face with Penny and you know, like be like, Oh, I took your life. Um, <laughs> that's weird. And then secondly, also just like, oh, you're the guy who took my life. Hmm, my thoughts, you know? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I I'm sorry that's like super vague, but in general, we were just like, This is like such a weird thing, we need to do it. Clara
2: like first texted me. She's all like, "I don't think that's
1: Penny." Like and I was just like, "No, I'm well, I." didn't sure. say I didn't think it was Penny. I said I didn't think it was Penny Forty. But I'm I'm sold on it now. I'm sold on it now. <laughs> <laughs> should we, should yeah, we no. not? It is. It
3: is. I don't think I'm spoiling anything by just confirming.
1: Well, okay. so the thing, the thing that, the thing that I now have sort of put in context for myself is that the version we haven't seen Penny Forty for like many episodes at this point. Yeah. Not since he ate right. the cupcake. Right. And also, who Which knows? I also wrote. <laughs>
3: Didn't you right. want to call my girlfriend Cupcake? Wasn't that a thing? I thought that was the name of the cat. Cupcake. Didn't, oh, cupcake yeah. is the girlfriend. Oh, oh, you're right. I did. I did I you like that. I name. jokingly... I, oh, my God, Casey. I love that you remember that because I was thinking about saying it, but I was like... Mm, I, shouldn't. Um, Steel trap. <laughs> I had a whole thing where I was like... <laughs> Marina should, her nickname for her girlfriend should be Cupcake. <laughs> just like Marina's name for a cat with Cupcake. Like that's, that's, yeah. So
1: that's just Marina. When so I I like just just please don't turn cupcake. her girlfriend inside out. Oh God, no, no. Please, no. my
2: heart
3: can't take it. <laughs>
2: no. I'm still like fucked up from that episode.
3: The cat? That? Yeah.
2: I have cats and I was very offended. Danny has offended. two.
3: The best part is so many episodes where cats get murdered or written by Henry, who has cats. He's like the perfect, like. It used to be that Henry and I were the people with cats in the room because everybody else has got dogs, and so it was just the two of us. And then my cat died, so now it's oh. just him as the sole resident, like cat. Oh. But then it's just like you're—he's constantly killing cats. Listen, it gets to the heart of it real quick. <laughs>
2: We did kill a dog as well with Cancer Puppy. Don't forget.
3: I, the best. I hate to say the best dog death, but it just is so good. David did that so well. Like, traditionally, that's one of those things that you can't do,
1: but he just did it so well. I'm just saying, <laughs> David is attached to an animal on the show. about is fair play. <laughs> <laughs> David's like...
3: He gets so many animals into his episode. I'm just like, how do you have that ninja skill? I want it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that I wanted to say about Penny 40. So Danny's absolutely right. I was not I, I was not buying it first. But the thing that I've sort of come to realize part of what is weird to me about Penny 40 in this episode is that he's so much like what I remember book Penny being like
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's got that like smug smarmy um i know shit and i'm on a power trip now vibe <laughs> yes yep.
3: I, that's all i'm gonna say uh, oh <laughs> i mean here's the thing like there are discussions i have but yeah no the the smarminess was like really fun to write because it's just like i'm gonna channel that version of him that has no hands and or the glowing hands version of him. <laughs> Yeah. Because, I mean, the reality is if you had – look, if you had knowledge of how things were going to play out and you just knew, you just know things, you're going to just have that sort of air about you where it's like, look, trust me on this. I know – I'm a man who knows things. <laughs> so that's what's so fun about the two of them where it's just like, I'm a man who knows things. I'm going to tell you how things are. And Penny23 is like, F you. You don't know shit. And Penny Forty is just like, oh, wait, this is me. <laughs> like, I guess he, yeah, he's going to do that. He's not going to believe me. I wouldn't believe me. Shit. So. Mm-hmm. True.
1: So I want to make sure that we have time to, we devote some attention to the other storylines as well. And both of you should feel free to jump in on this. Um, Christina, there have been a lot of redemptions, redemption arcs on The Magicians already. What do you think makes Alice's redemption unique?
3: I think one thing about... Alice's redemption is that Alice's relationship to magic in general has always been different from everybody else. People can be angry at her for what she did in season three, but the thing that you have to always remember is that her relationship to magic has not been great. It's never been particularly good. So her coming to the conclusion that she came to at the end of season three is honestly just a very natural thing um, to me. So this redemption story was, it wasn't supposed to be about her fixing all the things that she did so much as like going to the root of what her problem is. And that's her relationship Mm. to magic because like so many of the characters go to break bills with like wide eyes and a sense of wonder. But Alice is just like, my family has had this it's screwed my brother. Like, like how many good things have come out of magic for me? There's Mm. there was never a point in time where magic has been, has been a, a massive gift so the thing that was really nice about this story in general was that we were able to kind of like point back at that where it's just like one of the problems here is not – it it goes back to this core idea that like she doesn't see magic the way everybody else sees
1: magic. See, now I want Alice and Marina together because I feel like they're mm. I mean, like they're opposites in that respect because Alice has so much power and she's afraid of it. Marina could teach her how to own it so well. Yeah. <laughs> Also,
0: can I just say, if I could jump into anything with Olivia, I would just, like, throw myself in front of a train for that opportunity. She's such an incredible actress.
1: Yeah. We were actually texting about how amazing she is today and just, like, how many different things she's had to do on The Magicians. And then, like, I saw her in – is it The Comedians? Is that the name of the show that she was – yeah 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 yeah. where she's just a completely different character from anything that i've seen her in and you were talking about danny you were talking about all the horror movies you've seen her in yeah she's done Uh a lot of
0: horror movies she's good at it yeah she's amazing and she's just like a cool human (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's just awesome all around a plus olivia well done
1: (laughs) yeah so i second that christina bring it up writers (laughs) room season five alice marina (laughs) Hey, man,
3: look, if I could get more lesbians on this show, like,
1: Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yes, going <laughs> to set myself a daily reminder to email your boss. more lesbians, more lesbians. More lesbians. Um, <laughs> more lesbians.
2: need more
1: (laughs) um so one thing i noticed is that while julia and quentin and Margot all kind of went through their redemption arcs while they were still sort of part of the group alice is going through her atonement or whatever it is this thing that's like repairing her relationship with magic she's doing that alone and i think i just find that so impressive because it it has to be completely self-motivated which i think is really true Mm. about like, personal growth in the real world, if you're going to actually grow and get better, you have to have a reason of your own to do it. It can't just be about forgiveness.
2: Well, I mean, she went to break bills alone, too. Like, she, like, completely just, like, found break bills by herself. Like, she's always kind of been a lone wolf and excelled at it.
3: And not only that, like, I think that Alice's storyline... You know, th- there's a thing that happened to her when she became a niffin, and it was because she, it was she became somebody completely different. So, you know, when she when she returned to being a human, she had this experience that she still felt and remembered, and it wasn't like it just it changed her who it changed who she was on a fundamental level, and that is just like that's a lonely experience. Like you can, she can't she can explain it to people, but it's not like they're gonna fully understand it or be able to tell her something that's gonna fix her problems. So this was. This was just one of those things where it was like a combination of this is her lowest point where she just, she genuinely has nobody because of some actions that she took. And then on top of that, like nothing that any of them were gonna, was gonna, like there was nothing any of them could have said to her that would have made her realize what the problem was. Like she had to go through something on her own to fully understand what the problem was. And she, cause she basically had to see herself in like a, you know, somebody else's eyes, like somebody who didn't know her seeing how Sheila reacted to magic gave her a very different perspective because it wasn't like her break-bills classmates. She didn't have these preconceived notions about people. You know what I mean? Like, and on top of that, Sheila is also, um, I hate to say a damaged human being, but there's like, she has damage and it's a damage that she, like Alice can identify with. So there's a certain amount of like, I see myself in this woman and what I'm seeing is her reaction to magic is so different from my own. There's like a purity here and she's genuinely trying to do good with it. So yeah, it's, it had to kind of, she had to go through that on her own because there was, this wasn't, this wasn't a group problem.
1: So I have a thing I want to go off on. I've been doing a lot of crackpot theories since last season. Basically I spend uh, the time between each episode, between each episode that we record researching mythology extensively and in the last episode we did with mike uh so first of all i tried greek mythology and henry was like why do you think it's greek and so i was like all right i'm gonna look at some other mythologies so i looked at <laughs> norse mythology and i looked at um like a lot of sort of hindu mythology like hindu gods and i ran mm. those past mike and he was like there's definitely mythology." not one of those. (laughs) And so (laughs) about 12 hours after that, I, after a night of, I legit, here's what I did. I went on Omniglot, which is this website that only linguists know about because we're huge dorks that like lists, has examples of every single script in every single written language that this guy is able to collect. It's not every single one in existence, but it's, it's a lot. It's anyone that I would expect to appear on The Magicians, and <laughs>
0: I want to go there now. Oh,
1: you totally <laughs> should bring it up on your phone. It'll be great for uh, your your post episode oh, <laughs> nerding. But I compared. So I knew we'd seen like some hieroglyphics on some st- stuff, but I compared what was on the fucking <laughs> organ kidney to all of the different scripts, and that is not hieroglyphics. But it, what it is, I think, is <laughs> heretic, hieretic, I don't know exactly how you say it, Egyptian script. <laughs> Damn. Christina is losing her shit in the background, by
3: the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just, like, enjoying this deep dive. Like, I'm
1: just, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Good,
3: because here's the thing. I have to deal with this, like,
2: at least three times a week.
1: Yeah, you did. I mean, <laughs> often at, like, 6.30 in the morning when you're not up yet. Yeah. <laughs> Danny needs to learn to set her Do Not Disturb, I'm just saying. Oh, I have it on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after I confirmed to myself that Egyptian was a way that I should go, I started deep diving into the mythology, and I learned the myth of Osiris, which I probably heard, like, way back in high school but hadn't heard since then— so, I think the monster <laughs> might be Osiris and there's a bunch of reasons for this. <laughs> First of all, um Osiris is he's one of the most ancient Egyptian gods. So if we're talking about like the old gods like we have in the book, um the books, the like old gods come back and like shit on magic, him being like one of the most ancient ones is good. Also, he was a shapeshifter like a lot of Egyptian gods, that's not a huge part of his like shit, but basically all the Egyptian gods did some shape-shifting, and so the fact that the monster is sort of shape-shifty, also helpful. But the most relevant thing for our purposes is how he died. He was killed by his brother, Set, who was jealous of the attention he got from their parents and tricked Osiris into getting into a coffin at a party. Um, Set then essentially... Incredible. Floated, <laughs> he then, like, floats the coffin down the, down the Nile and... I was a little unclear about this through a bunch of different stories, but I'm going to say the version that is in my head. It eventually, like, landed near a tree which grew around it, and Isis, who is Osiris's sister and also wife, because that's a thing in Egyptian mythology, um, searched <sighs> <Yeah>. for him. <laughs> and in a lot of mythology. It's not like, just limited to the yeah. Egyptians. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, she searched for him everywhere. And when Set realized that she was looking for Osiris and that she was, like, getting close to finding him, he, like, went and got the body and hacked it into pieces, which he scattered across Egypt. okay so looking for organs not so you know kind of fits in there and then in some versions (laughs) of the myth in some versions of the myth not only did he scatter them across egypt he placed them with the other egyptian gods to make to like implicate them in osiris's betrayal and death basically because he was like well maybe he won't guess it's me or whatever (laughs) or maybe or maybe isis won't guess it's me or maybe she'll like think oh it's a whole bunch of people so i can't take them on but anyway isis finds them anyway except for his penis which is a story for another day but she like conjures him a golden penis which is real cool uh- <laughs> yeah. Love it and then after burying them in the ground she manages to bring osiris back to life And just to add one more piece of evidence before Christina invariably shoots me down and is like, nope, not this one either. Um, Danny mentioned in our last podcast that there's an interview floating around where Stella reveals that Julia will at some point this season be possessed by the monster's sister. Don't say anything about that steel trap. (laughs) People who are actually involved (laughs) in the show. Um, So the fact that Osiris has a sister who's involved in bringing him back to life seems like a good sign. Danny, what do you think? (laughs) I mean, your, your ability, your ability to do
2: this on your off time like amazes me. I don't know how Clara has the time that she has. I don't she sleep. Does. I, I'm, I'm convinced that she has a time turner. Like I'm convinced. You're um, not the first person but, who said that. But I think it's like the least reach that you've had so far.
1: <laughs> Quality compliment from Danny. <laughs> the least amount of reach. <laughs>
3: i love your relationship by the way <laughs> <It's not fun.
1: laughs> it's good. female energy oh. hi i there, so there's a
0: lot there's a lot there i don't <laughs> i personally am still stuck on the conjured golden penis i have not
1: been oh yeah I'll, I'll uh i'll email your manager more information about that if you want <laughs>
0: Please, just a like a, just a JPEG would be awesome. Thanks so much. <laughs> I'll
3: appreciate that. All I'm gonna say is I appreciate this deep dive. There are myths. Which ones? <laughs> you'll see. It's like I'm with Mike on this one, where it's just like, yes.
1: I mean, myths are indeed important to the story. <laughs> All I'm saying is no, if I is see like- a golden fucking penis, I'm going to know I'm uh. right. <laughs> I mean, it definitely wouldn't be out of the realm
3: of, uh, you know, possibility on our show. to say, that sounds distinctly
0: like something that we would
3: shoot for. <laughs> I think the thing that, like, I'm most proud of in this moment <laughs> is the fact that, like, in your theory, you're just like, I mean, a gold dick. And I'm just like, we have properly delivered the tone on our show but it's just like of (laughs) course there's a gold dick because like that's what the magicians is
1: (laughs) i already know okay if i say this it won't be true but i already know that that's going to be the easter egg
0: (laughs) can i just like can i
2: just can i just quote uh i think this is a proper place to quote daddy issues and dicks
0: Hello. I was gonna say, if the gold dick could end up in Marina's storyline, that's probably ideal. I,
3: I mean, as a weapon.
0: As a weapon, just separate from any human, you know? Just exactly sex that can be yeah, like because
1: exactly. we already used beat the people. the like knife and the magic gun that like kill gods. Why not have a golden dick that kills gods?
0: <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I just my dream in this life, if I can be frank, is to just beat someone with a golden dildo.
3: I mean, I'm just thinking right now, Marina should have a club in the shape of a chub. I mean,
0: (laughs) she just stashes it next to her bed.
1: (laughs) I'm so glad we have the two of you together. This is so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You made a good thing happen here. I'm proud of you. (laughs) Okay, um, (laughs) we should move on to fashion at some point. I mean, golden dicks aren't that far from it. But before we do, (laughs) anyone have any final thoughts they want to share about this episode? Casey, let's start with you.
0: Oh my god, final thoughts. Um, I mean, fun facts. There was a tank. Pretty cool. Arjun (laughs) got in it, stole my thunder a bit. Whatever, we can move on. Also, while we were shooting at this location, it's right across from one of my mom's art studios which is boss Hello. and arrow was scouting locations there the day we were shooting so I was like I'm surrounded by my loved ones no <laughs> that was pretty cute um other thoughts on this episode I just love um working with Arjun is great um oh he, yeah I he wanted he us to constant. ask you
1: yeah what's your favorite yeah, thing about working part? with him
0: <laughs> well let me count the ways um he's just like a big bro to me like he's just a a loving dude who um, tolerates my tomfoolery um, and I tolerate his. And (laughs) I just think we're a fun duo. Um, What else? Oh, the other thing, it's not really about this episode, but like I just need to cement in the universe somehow what a champ he is for letting me smack him. Um, Many times. Was not scripted. Just happened.
1: He's amazing. (laughs) BTS moments.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, this is just such I just love this. It was so much fun and oh I'm all mushy feeling now. Okay. Moving on.
1: <laughs> Christina.
3: Uh, there's a lot about this episode that was just a joy. Like, first of all, again, the fact that I got to write Marina so much. Like so much. Like she wasn't just showing up for a scene. I was like, I get to work with Casey, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, <Feelings> this <mutual. laughs> is so good. Uh Oh, here's one. Um, So Stoppard is a character that exists in the books. in the
1: books. Hey.
3: And, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't say that I was going to make Amazion. I just made Amazion. And it was just, like, cool. So that was really nice. That was, like, a really – that was a fun thing that I got to do. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, (sighs) The the Margot Josh stuff is delightful. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about (laughs)
1: Fillory at all. Expand.
3: Oh my God. Uh, the alpaca stuff. I just like, <laughs> I, I didn't, I was like, I'm in my head. This al this curdled alpaca milk is going to work. It's going to no. fucking work. And then when we got the daily, like being on like the tests that we had to do to get the right consistency for gross alpaca milk was just a delight. Um, <laughs> It was just so much fun. Um, my director, our director for this episode, Jamie Conway, was just so much fun because I just like, I, he, like, we're pouring and he's just looking at me and I'm just like, chunkier. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was, it was so much fun. Oh, also, um, I'm going to be a nerd for a second. Listen, I love the practice. So getting Cameron Mannheim as Sheila was just, I had a moment where I was like, <gasps> chi- I don't want to say child me because I don't want to make anybody feel like, aged but like <laughs> legit, she was my favorite character in the practice so like this is this is one of those situations where you're just like oh my god i get to work with somebody who's amazing like last season getting to work with Candace Kane was just like mind blowing mm-hmm. for me because i was like i love Can- i've loved candace for years mm-hmm. so like that was that was a highlight there, there was there was a lot there was a lot but i definitely like my first thought is like the sheer fact that i got to write marina for so many pages was just a gift because like <laughs> We don't get Casey in every episode, so it's kind of one of those things I mean, just why like, not, but... Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's so it's kind of like, who's going to get to play with Casey's car, girl, because she's amazing? Um, And so I was like, I feel so lucky.
0: <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm blushing heavily. <laughs> thanks, oh. thanks. I had so much fun this episode, and the words and the world and everything was just so much fun. I just felt like we were all batting a thousand. It was really fun.
3: It was yeah, like it was a good experience. It was like a good set experience too. It was just delightful.
1: Danny, final thoughts? Maybe something about Ah. the Philorians? Philorians. Oh, I just thought
2: there was so much humor to the like episode. Just like the way that Hale like delivered the monster (laughs) in this episode was just too good. Like when he was just like when he called Julia Julia
1: oh <laughs> my god
3: yes so that that came from the room sometimes there are jokes that we put in scripts that like we're all like somebody says it and then it just shows up in a script and we had enough people in the room had been like julia i was like this is going in <laughs> is going in.
2: and just like when he was like this body craves a cinnamon churl and then he like just disappears <laughs> <laughs> i like love it so much um I did like the the fillery scenes. I liked like Margo and Josh just kind of like spatting back and forth, and sure. then their big fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "Believe it or not, I I know exactly who you are, Margo." And I was like, "Ouch!" And then he walked away. My mm-hmm. Josh. <laughs> I love
0: Josh.
1: No one like a cinnamon roll to like completely fuck you up and <laughs> hurt you. <laughs>
3: he's so good. I love him so much. <laughs> I'm just
1: like, oh, protect Josh at all costs. No. <laughs> somebody somebody yeah. was tweeting during the episode that aired tonight, um, protect Margo at all costs. And my immediate thought was, Margo does not need your protection. <laughs> she's good. She is. She, no, good. she's got this. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like was kind of the lesson of 406 as well. Mm. Margo got this. Yeah. Nice yeah. to the table. Yeah. Um, so, Danny, you brought up a thing that I want to mention too uh that scene with the mummy i think my favorite like <laughs> joke
2: fucking mummy.
1: my favorite joke in the whole episode is them like walking off and the mummy just being like <laughs> 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 and, and, and okay.
2: julius is by and bows <laughs>
3: <laughs> well i so, mean um, that's
1: probably a pharaoh
3: <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna give credit where credit is due i wrote the mummy dying And Henry and David were like, no, 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 no. He can't, he can't die. He he needs to be, I mean, he needs to just be there. Like we just need to leave him and walk away and he's got his own problems now. And then the buy thing was an ad lib. (laughs) That was just like, they were shooting and we knew that, the The notion was that they, they were like, well, I don't know what to do about this, so let's just leave. <laughs> and then they, like, left. Mm-hmm. And so Jamie just held that camera on the actor, the mommy actor, and the, he was great. He was great. So, like, that was very much a, a collective effort. <laughs> but, yeah, when we got the dailies in, that's that just the fact that he, like, looks around the room and then kind of, like, looks at the camera, we just... Every single time we saw it, we would just die.
1: Okay, one last quick question. Uh, No rationale, just say the line. Favorite Marina line from this episode. Danny? you start.
2: (gasps) Oh, mine was definitely the one where she was like, um, I can't believe a bunch of militant muggles beat me to burning down break bills. Solid.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think my favorite was you should learn to trust your instincts right after. that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Christina, I, I didn't hear you because there was so much laughter on the line.
3: <laughs> that's my favorite. Like when I wrote it,
1: I was like, this is, I, this is a line that I'm not letting go. <laughs> and, and Casey, what was your favorite Marina line?
0: I mean, all of those are winners. Um, I think the one that brought me the most joy to say was, Father, fuck me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's uh, <laughs> the top of the pile for me. As far Daddy as issues
1: concerned. and dicks. <laughs> all in one. <laughs> Dude, one of the
3: delights of working on this show is all of us, and, like, if you're going to curse, you need to step it up and do it in some some yeah. different way. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, I forgot. I forgot about that line because, yeah, I think it was one of the first ones I wrote. It's so good, (laughs) dude. It's so good.
1: (laughs) Speaking of profanity on the show, my now most popular tweet about the magicians, I think. Is something where I didn't use the hashtag and didn't tag anyone from last week because I saw someone complaining that the magicians uses too much <sighs> vulgar language and takes the Lord's name in vain too much. And I was like, Funny. honey, you are not watching the right show. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, person, like, if you listen to our that's podcast. Your problem. <laughs> <laughs> I just Rangers I feel like it. you should know it's time to it's time to watch something else. This is not going to get better for you. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. Fashion? <laughs> yeah. All right. That? Fashion. Um, I will actually say, I didn't, I was paying less attention to fashion in this episode than I normally am. I think partly because I was distracted by things like the fucking mummy. Um, and. <laughs> fair. Totally fair. <laughs> um, so obviously, like, one of the things I noticed was the monster's new shirt, put your head in my mouth, and given the animal on the it, bear. I, I feel mm-hmm. like, did, did you choose that for David or did David choose that shirt?
3: So that shirt has a story. Uh, I chose the shirt, but the shirt was originally Feed Me and Tell Me I'm Pretty. Um, Oh, yeah. I remember that. But but it's a shirt that exists. So we couldn't get that shirt. So then there was like a collective room effort to kind of like fix it and get it cleared. And I can't remember because the save on that one was not me. That was who was it? There were a few pitches that were really fun and I, maybe it was David. I feel bad. Cause if it wasn't David, whoever, whoever came, whoever just randomly said that line and made us all laugh. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Other than that, the main outfits I took notice of were Margo's Florian outfits. So there's that gorgeous blue and cream one, which I love, mm-hmm. but also I feel like knowing how much Magali thinks about uh, fashion it doesn't really strike me as a Margot outfit, and it makes me think that like this is a this is a dress that was chosen to try to like make her seem lighter and more amenable to diplomacy. <laughs> like I kind of felt like that like this is Josh helping her pick a dress that will show her softer side <laughs> as she goes into this diplomatic endeavor.
3: You guys think about this way better than we
1: do.. <laughs> um. Or just <laughs> way more?
3: I mean, well, no, like, whenever whenever Magali sends us her, you know, basically her ideas for wardrobes and stuff, I think, like, she has a thought process behind everything that everybody is wearing to tell the mm-hmm. story. Um, I don't know that this one in particular was, like, a softening thing. I do know that, because that is a freaking amazing dress. And I just, mm-hmm. when I saw it, I just was like, Oh my god, it's amazing! And And she's like, I know I found this fabric, and it was incredible, (laughs) and I couldn't not use it. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm sure, like she has an incredible thought process in terms of like what everybody is wearing, why they are wearing it, and like, and it's and it's amazing to to listen to. But I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't clock it as something that she wouldn't wear. I mostly clocked it as stunning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: which it is and I think is. that's the
3: Same. thing like sometimes I get distracted by Magali's wardrobes because I'm just like they're just so pretty oh wait I should probably think about things
1: <laughs> um and then the other thing I noticed was the West Lorian rulers the like feathered getup, which is amazing yeah that's a perfect
3: example of her asking herself what is you know like There's a combination of things going on there, which is, like, Sarah is obviously very into fashion, so she has her Mm -hmm. thought process on, like, what people should be wearing, where they are. So that is very much a, like, conversation between Sarah and Magali, where it's just like, oh, I have this thought, and it's like, oh, well, it should be this. So I would love to take credit, but straight (laughs) up, like, women with better fashion design tastes than me, like call the shots.
1: The one other thing I wanted to talk about, so in this episode, I feel like Marina's get-up is kind of her standard cat suit, but there was a Marina outfit <laughs> from the beginning of the season from episode one or two that I fucking loved. She's wearing so... I mean, it's black. It's a black dress like most of the things yeah. that she wears, but there's this amazing necklace that goes down to, like, her belly button. Oh,
0: my God. I mean, everything that Maggie Lee comes up with is incredible. There's this one dress... Um, I think it's in episode one, two, that was actually a scarf, like a pashmina type thing that we've had in Marina's closet since season one. Like it's been hanging around and we didn't know how to incorporate it because it was as a scarf. It just didn't work and we didn't know what to do, but we loved it. And we cut a hole in the middle of it and popped it over my head and belted it. And it became a sort of top dress thing um which i'm obsessed with and i'm so happy it finally made it in um and it's such a like prime example of megaly's beautiful brain and like yeah. how she will see a piece and flip it on its head and make it even more incredible than you ever knew it could be um and i just all everything i wear on this show is like <laughs> an effort to get into, but then once I'm in it, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's all skin
1: tight body suits and so to some extent.
0: <laughs> this one, this episode in particular, I was like, wow, that is just that's my that's just my body. Cool.
1: I but I remember seeing you in the cat suit
3: and I was just like, where's she gonna put anything? But who gives a shit? It looks so good. <laughs> God damn.
1: So uh <laughs> just for contrast though, Casey, can you describe what you're wearing right now for our listeners?
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, I got some baggy-ass Levi's on. Uh, I've gone ahead and cut the leg off here. You can see it's frayed. Uh, Then I got a baggy dare t-shirt, you know, just resist drugs and violence, which is anti-Marina. And, uh, you know, just minimal undergarments, sort of what I'm rocking. Just baggy <laughs> that's in true tomboy form <laughs> room to grow as I like
3: to say no <laughs> you were know, you living your best life you're comfortable oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: comfortable as best These are my dinner pants <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay uh Casey if you were to steal the wardrobe of any character on the show who would it be and
0: why Ooh, I love this question hmm oh my god I would like to read everybody's Closet for like every mood I have in my life, um, <laughs> but I think ooh, I like Elliot's wardrobe, man.
1: That, that, that is the, uh, Elliot. one of the top answers. <laughs> yeah,
0: but also Quentin Like, I just love a good basic, comfy. I could <laughs> sit all day and read a book in these clothes. Clothes. Yeah.
3: I mean, that you, living that hoodie life.
0: <laughs> yeah, hoodie yeah. life. That's that's my life. The bigger, the better. The more cowlly, the hood, the more comfortable I am. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> All I'm right. Doing. Well, any other last notes about fashion before we uh, move on to MVP?
0: Oh my gosh, I don't know, but I feel this overwhelming need to note that it's Rihanna's birthday today. <laughs> hey, I'm an fashionable person. So,
1: have you seen it's that you. video? It's like eight years old at this point. Of I think her name is Emma Robinson. Um, she has figured out how to make auto-tune noises with her voice, and she does a version of a Rihanna song that is amazing. That That scares me. (laughs) Look it up when you're done. It's, it's, sorry.
0: (laughs) That's wild. I feel like I'm, half my brain is going to love that, and the other half of me is going to be like, the simulation is broken, and I'm going to (laughs) panic.
1: I, I went I, I was in a PhD program in linguistics. I have like asked a whole bunch of people whose job it is to understand things like that. Also my husband, who is a recording engineer <laughs> and a composer. And none of them can like fully explain it. They all have bits of the story that they can explain. And then there's there's some magic in there.
0: Love a little magic. Maybe
3: she's just a robot.
0: <laughs> or she's part parrot. She could be part parrot. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Any, any other fashion things? I don't don't think
3: time. so. All right. <laughs> oh, I want to give a little, a little credit to Alice's wardrobe, real quick.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, she oh, looks yeah. cute. Shit.
3: Like I feel like if I were just a girlier human being, <laughs> I would wear the hell out of her her adorable dresses because they're just they're fun. Mm. Yeah. But I also like the silhouette. Yeah.
1: I feel like I aspire to Margot's wardrobe, and I end up in Quentin's. That's right. yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> true for
3: most
0: people. I feel that There's, <laughs> she wore this white jumpsuit at one point the season. That was yeah. so incredible. Mm-hmm. I like that. That was yeah. like walking the right Hillary down that Clinton line
1: jumpsuit. That
0: yeah. Yeah. Dope. There we go again. All right.
1: Uh, MVP. Um, this is a wonderful episode. Everyone did an amazing job. I love you and Arjun both, but I think I have to give it to Arjun just for that, like, scene with the two pennies because what a f- yeah. feat to pull off, um, and it's mesmerizing. Danny, what about you?
2: It's hard to give an MVP for this episode.
1: <laughs>
2: like, like hard. Um, you know what? I'm just going to give it to Casey because she's here. And, <laughs> That's nice. And And honestly, like... Like just in general, just like MVP for being Marina, and Gosh. And, ha- and having a girlfriend that makes me happy
1: because I have a girlfriend. <laughs> love it. Love it. I do have to say, for everyone talking to you and seeing what you're like as a as a human being outside of uh, outside of the roles you play makes me really appreciate what a great actress you are.
0: Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of
1: you. Um, Casey, do you want to nominate someone for this episode?
0: Yeah, strain. <laughs> MVP. All the way. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Good win. Well, thank
3: Done. you. Oh, all the awards. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and just say, listen, Casey, Marina, because again, I was so amped to write the character that like it was just, it was a joy. Um, and then I'm also gonna say this. I'm going to give it to the the mummy because <laughs> yes.
0: yes no fight <laughs> for me played the mummy
3: <laughs> there was a stunt guy who did it because he, here's the other thing I wasn't when we were talking in the room that was not my pitch because initially I was just like I don't I don't I don't know if I understand this mummy thing and like <laughs> I think it was Jay Guard and Alex Raymond were like a mummy and I was like but they don't have brains and so- <laughs>
2: Exactly. I was just like,
3: "What are we doing?" So, like that—that that is a perfect example of like everybody's like, "How do you not see the wonder in this?" And I'm like, "They're not brains!" <laughs> but, like in the end, I'm like, I'm "Like, oh no, that mummy was pretty fucking great."
1: <laughs> like, Science ruins things. Up their nose,
3: man. Like, there's nothing
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Episode ratings. Danny, scale one to ten. I think I'm going to give it a ten because
2: I've just given up on giving ratings. (laughs) They're all
1: ten. Ten's across
0: the board.
1: Mood. Man, that is a solid rationale. I'm going to give it a nine (laughs) just because I know I'm going to give next week's a ten and I gave last week's a ten. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sandwiching what? you, Christina. All I'm say, no, yes, it's All good. All I'm going to say you guys
3: are restricting yourselves in a way that you don't need to. You've What's seen it? We Rate Dogs. There's <laughs> doesn't have to be. All
1: right, you know what? Okay. Fuck it. 11 out of 10.
0: <laughs>
1: in true spinal tap form. <laughs> um, so... Obviously, we're not going to ask you all to rate the episode. That's mean. Oh, hi, Kitty. Um, <laughs> but I would love to know what each of you found most exciting about working on this episode. Christina, why don't you start?
3: God, there's there's a lot that I was. God, I feel like I, I feel like I'm giving. I'm gonna make Casey blush a little more again. <laughs> straight up, that was a joy for me. Like getting that storyline, because you know when we collectively break something in the room, you don't always know what you're gonna get at the outset. So, like, that was, like, one of those things where I was, like, this better stick. Like, this better not change. Because if I think I'm going to get to write this character and then I don't, I'm going to be so sad. Um, I really enjoyed – I've written traditionally much more fast – like, not fast-paced, but, like, crazy bonkers episodes. Like, the bank heist and, you know, the Red Dinner Party. Like, there was a really nice – uh, contrast in writing Alice's kind of Modesto story because it's just so different from what I've I'm used to writing for the show. So that was that was delightful because it was it was good for me to exercise like a different muscle than I'm used to. Um, plus, I just I got to have fun creating a character that is Sheila, which is one of my favorite things in the entire world. Um, so yeah, those things.
1: All right, Casey, what about you, favorite thing about this episode. <sighs>
0: Um, I loved channeling my inner Miley Cyrus in that cage. <laughs> Pretty great. Um, loved everything I got to say because the words are the magic of this show. It's just incredible every time. I'm just so spoiled. And um and being like partnered up with Arjun for an episode was really fun. Like we had a great time. We get along so well. This is people and or just, like, a couple of wacky jokesters. Um, <laughs> so we got to just, like, josh around with each other for a few days, which was amazing, and he's he's rad. He's
1: getting yeah, married I in four days.
0: I know! To a <laughs> wonderful person. It's just, everything's coming up Millhouse for that guy. Go, teeny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to throw
3: this out there. Like, that that was an additional joy, just the fact that, like, Penny's a fun character to write. And to have two, not antagonistic, but two characters who aren't going to take anybody's shit in scenes together, like, that's a lot of fun. That's so much fun. Because nobody's, (laughs) it's like, we're fighting for control of this bus. (laughs)
0: 100%. It felt like, um, I don't know, the best feeling I can describe is, like, back in the day when I grew up playing basketball. And, like, when there's someone on your team that you just want to be better than, but you also want to, (laughs) like, work really well with.
1: Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's that like good competitive energy. Yeah,
0: so, that's yeah. what it is. Larger than I all the
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh well, with that, I mean, I I hate to do this because this has been such a fun episode. Um, we obviously need both of you to come back. Um, <laughs>
0: anytime, darling, anytime.
1: Casey, Christina, <laughs> thank you for joining us. This has been a blast. Uh, yeah, thank hope we do it again us. soon.
3: <laughs> thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>
1: Do any of
2: you want to plug any other projects before we go?
0: Um, I just finished a movie called Baldi, which is amazing, or it was amazing to make. I don't, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Hopefully, great. <laughs> um, but I have no, I have no way of telling you where or how to see it. <laughs> just <laughs> I did it. So <laughs> there's that.
2: We'll look out for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then I may or may not be back on a television program that I am sometimes on, that I <laughs> won't name for
3: <laughs> reasons i'm just gonna put out there that it could be any show she's been on because she's just delightful to bring back
1: uh, yeah Aww. one of our i will say one of our questions was why do you die and come back so much
3: <laughs>
1: i got a
0: face for, i got a face for murder i guess you know what can i say <laughs>
1: all right well with that yeah thank you again so much listeners thank you for joining us remember to subscribe and rate us on itunes or apple podcasts or whatever the fuck it's called these days um we're also on spotify and pretty much everything except for stitcher uh the more positive ratings we get yes on itunes the higher we show up in search results which means more people can find us so yeah do those ratings and reviews and as always you can follow us on twitter or facebook at physical kids pod bye Mind slide. <laughs> well, there's a
2: fucking mummy.